Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! This is the face of the MLB Network. Uh, he's going to tell you a story about Reggie, which is one of the great stories you're ever going to hear as we begin our little uh, sojourn. And we very rarely have him on uh, for whatever the reasons, but... Uh, he is the nicest guy in the world, uh, and I figured today we're going to break bread with the great Harold Reynolds. Harold, how are you today, pal? Okay? What up, mad dog? <laughs> the guy is a great guy. All right, tell him the Reggie story. It's a, one of the great stories when you came in in your rookie year. I love the story. Go ahead. It's a funny one. Go ahead. I'm, try- I'm trying to remember it. I got so many. That's the one when he came up to you? That's when he came up to you after the double out the right center field at Yankee Stadium? And you were tired as hell? That story. Don't you remember that one? Yes, I do. I, now I tell him. I was tired. I was struggling. I was struggling. I was like, my rookie season, I was trying to get my feet wet. And he comes and hits a double. He's at second base. And he goes, hey, kid, we got an extra 150 at-bats up here in the big leagues. You feel okay? <laughs> 150 wow. thoughts. That's cool. You, now, you know, he was my mom's favorite player of all time. And uh, one of my favorite Dick Williams stories, Dick had been all over my case and telling me, don't talk to players on the other team, okay? So Reggie played for him when Oakland made those great runs. And he hits a double off the wall. The night before, he met my mom. He went into the family lounge, took pictures with her. You name it. He hits a double. He's standing at second, and he says, "Hey, is your mom here? To, is your mom stay for the game tonight too?" And I'm, I got my head down. I'm not saying nothing. And he's like, "Hey," I got my head down. I go, I come over and I go, "Hey, uh, Skipper's all over me right now. I can't talk to you." And he turns and he starts yelling at Dick in the dugout, "Leave the kid alone! What are you doing?" I I'm like that. Oh my god, kill me when I come in. So anyway, we can talk all day with stories. Got a bunch of them. Got a bunch. Yeah, a bunch of them indeed. How you doing, man? Doing good, Howard. It's great to talk to you. Uh, Let's uh, before we before we dive into baseball. Are you nervous about UConn? No, no, I'm not. I think UConn, Howard. I think they got too much going on right now. Um, Now listen, it's one game. You know, in one game, anything can happen. So you have to be a little nervous because it's it's not a best of seven. The best team always doesn't win, but boy, they have played. How how good has UConn been? Size, defense. I mean, they've got they've they, you can't play any better. Now you want to tell me that Larinaga and those little guards will score? I buy that, but I don't, UConn's going to score against a lot of teams, Harold. Uh, they are a they're not a little favorite. You probably would agree. You're a great sports fan. They are a big favorite to win a national championship. Don't you agree? I do agree, but there's something in the water, man. All the big schools are done. We'll see. It's going to be fun. It's gonna be fun looking to forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to it. You're right. You know, Kansas and Duke and North Carolina, you know, Kentucky, uh, you know, you, you, obviously with the Houston and Alabama, you, you never know. It's one game. So you so say you never know. I'm going to go down the tra- there for the, the two transfer, games. The transfer portal. The transfer portal changed it all. Yes, it did. Changed it yes, all. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Uh, uh, let's let's do, talk baseball, man. Let's talk some baseball. Uh, the first thing I want to do, first thing I want to do with you is stolen bases, the bags, the size of the bags, 
and the pickoff throws to first base now limited at two. Is this going to be a small impact, a moderate impact, or a big impact on a running game? It all depends on the front office. Um, if you have an aggressive mindset front office, it can be a huge game changer. I think, and here's why. The two throwovers is more effective to me than the four inches. Now, the four inches is a big difference. I, you know, I, I don't think anybody ever gets tagged out that by more than four inches. You know, so most guys that are stealing get tagged out on a bang-bang play. So that is a big difference. But if I can force you to throw the ball over twice and then you can't throw a third time, I own you. Own you. The difference is the front offices don't play that kind of baseball. We'll see if they're able to make that adjustment and allow the guys to really be in that mindset. And what I mean by that, when I had a left-handed pitcher when I was younger and they were teaching us how to steal bases, you'd get as far out as you could and you'd be leaning back towards first, forcing him to throw to first knowing you were going to go back. So no matter how great his move was, I was going to entice him to show me his best move, and I was going to get back because I was already going back. Now, in today's game, if I knew you only got two throwovers, I would get a big lead, I'd force you to throw twice, and then I'd get a big lead off and go, I own you. Now what are you going to do? If he throws about the first, I'm going to second. How about the That's catcher throwing behind the, bat, throwing behind the runner more so now to make up for only two tosses to first base. What's your take on that? Not going to worry about it. I still would get a big lead and still be able to get back. I mean, all you got to do is track the ball. And most guys are not going to throw the ball unless it's, it's behind the hitter, so to speak. Like, at a left-handed hitter, if it's throwing at him, then they're going to throw around him. Right-handed batter, you might be have a little bit more. But even that said, you just have to pay attention. So you think they'd be up to the front offices, but it's obviously got to abet the running game in some capacity. It's got to improve the running game. And you made a good point about the bags. I don't think of it that way because, you know, I didn't play. You're right. Most of the stolen base outs are bang, bang. And an inch, which doesn't seem like much, means a lot. So now you put four inches on it. So as a result, a lot of those bang, bang plays, the guy's going to be safe. Is that your point? Absolutely. I told, yes, absolutely. And I look back, and there were some times I got thrown out quite a bit. I was still bang, bang on the close plays. And uh, that, that, will, that will definitely increase. But, again, it comes down to the mindset of the front office. Do, do you still want to play three-run home run, or do you want to be aggressive and go get it? And, and even if you go back into the heyday of the 80s and 90s when teams were running, there was still only – certain clubs that you knew they were going to be aggressive and other clubs were not going to be. So it's not just because it's, we're, we're sitting here in a sabermetric-minded times that we're playing. They were still calculated way back in the day. It just comes up to the, to the front office and who's running the organization if they're going to be aggressive or not. So we and, shall and see. I'll, I'll make this point. I'll make this last point, too. There's only a couple managers in the big leagues right now that can speak from experience. That's Buck Showalter, probably Terry Francona, probably Bochi, that played in those times that said, hey, when I was on first, or in Bochi's case, he was a catcher. 
when he had a guy at first that could run, he probably called a fastball more often. Well, that changed the game too. So what these front offices today don't understand is that when you got a guy on first base that can run, that catcher is now probably going to call a fastball, and he's going to get a fastball to hit at the plate. You know, we've had these ratings now. I'll be interested to see the numbers. But last year, for the first time in the history of our sport, there was more curveballs than thrown fastballs. I, that's got to flip, and that only comes from not running. And I'll end this rant part on this. Maury Wills once told me, when you stop running, that 3-2 pitch now becomes an off-speed pitch because they don't care if they walk you. But when you're running, 3-2 and two is a fastball because you're going to have to earn your way on. We'll see if that philosophy comes back. Yeah, very good. Uh, they, Harold did a great job with that. You learned something. Good job with the Wills thing. All right, that's the first thing. Second thing, second thing, the shift. I think 5,600 hits have been basically lost in the last 15 years, mostly because of the shift. Are you expecting, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to radically change the left-hand hitter, but all those line drives, the short right will not be singles. A bullet up the middle will be a single two. Are you expecting a tremendous influx of offense because of the infielders now having to be on both sides of the bag and can't have their feet in the outfield dirt? What's your take on that rule? Number two. Absolutely. I think this is the most impactful of them all, even including the pitch clock, which we'll get to, I'm sure. But this is the most impactful of, of the sport. It will open holes on both sides of the infield. I think left-handers will clearly benefit from it. And also, now we have to have an athlete playing at second base. You can't just throw Moustakis or a third baseman at second and say, play in deep right field and we'll cover up the other part you can't get to with another position player. No, no, no. Now it's got to be that little scrappy guy that can range to take some of those hits away. It's totally changed the sport. Interestingly, I was talking with Buck Showalter about this. He said, have you noticed how many balls have been hit off pitchers this spring training? And to me, that's telling me the middle is now open. Hitters are taking the ball back up the middle instead of trying to pull it in the air to hit over the shift. So it's changing already in front of our eyes. Wow, so Buck has noticed in spring training there have been more batted balls that have deflected off pitchers' bodies than in the past, which tells Buck that people have more now of an up-the-middle feel because there's nobody behind second base playing defense. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. You buy that? You you think that's accurate? I, I, yeah, that, that was my take on it. He, he was thinking it ha, it's definitely been affected by the rules. He was still... Uh, he's seen a lot of different things. That was just my take. Guys are going back up the middle more. Uh, in the very first games of spring, before uh, guys started to go to WBC or whatever, I watched Soto hit a ball right back up the middle, just a little bit off towards the second base side of the middle. And he was out last for the last four years. That's been an out. It was a base hit. How many times have you been watching the game on TV and the ball's hit back at the camera because we've got the center field camera at us, Pass the pitcher, and it's an out. Yeah, and many a time. All our lives growing up, that was a base hit, right? Yep, 100%. 
Yeah, I agree. And a lot of times you say, oh, geez, it used to be a single, now it's an out. All right, that's the second scenario. So you think that will make a huge difference. The third one, of course, is the pitch clock. Let's start here. Do you think spring training is enough time for hitters and pitchers to adapt? Or are we going to have an April that's going to be a mess because of batters only get, they got to be in the box within eight seconds. The pitchers use more than the allotted 15 seconds and 19 seconds with runners on. Or do you think there's going to be a smooth transition? What do you see there? Oh, there's going to be an adjustment, no doubt about it. You know, through spring training, if you think about spring training, most of the starters, you play four, three or four innings early in camp, right, for the first two or three weeks. And then you're out. So that's two, maybe three at-bats. Then once you get to this last week, they start getting the full complement of at-bats. But who's getting the other at-bats? It's all guys who have been playing in the minor leagues who play with the pitch clock. So it was seamless, right? Now you're getting guys that are veteran players that really having to figure out how to navigate through it and all that. Has it worked? No doubt about it. The game's moving. Will they adapt to it? Yes. But it's not going to just happen overnight. There's going to be some some games in April we're shaking our heads and upset about the rule, but overall uh, players will adjust and adapt. And this was true with the minor leagues too. It took them a little bit to grab hold of it, and then they figured it out. And this will happen in the major leagues as well. Do you think that we will actually have 23 to 25 minutes taken off these games like it has been done in the minor leagues and in spring training? No doubt about it. That's the one thing. The, the clock doesn't change just because it's the season. You know, so, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. You know, they've already got – you have – outside of the, the pitcher has to deliver no one on, 15 seconds, a runner on base, 20 seconds. Outside of that, in between innings, which we've been doing now for three or four years you, you, in the stadium, you get that, that two-minute clock out there, right? Telling guys get in and off the field, get warmed up, and let's go. So – uh, that's gonna, all going to stay in place. So, yes, we're going to see 25, 30 minutes knocked off games. Do you think the umpires will enforce rules with these batters and pitchers if they go use more time than they're allotted? you think the umpires are going to they're going to have to? How about the umpires enforcing the rules? What's your take with that? They'll enforce it, but I think there's going to be some conversations. Like, hey, man, you got to work with me here. You know, you got to speed it up. There's going to be some arguments. That's just the way the sport is. But, yeah, they're going to enforce the rule. I like how they did it in the spring. I know it was uncomfortable and it didn't look good when they call a game and cancel, call it off on a, on a, on a strike on a hitter because he didn't get in the box. But guys started to learn. They had to get the message, and we haven't seen that since the first week. So, yeah, but they're going to enforce the rule, and I think it's – I mean, it's, it's probably the easiest rules because it's already telling you. It's like a, a, a guy shooting a basketball. If he doesn't get it off on time, you can't argue it. The clock's the clock. And same thing with the football. If the quarterback doesn't get the ball snapped on time, the clock is the clock. That's just the way it is. Right. Uh, Harold Reynolds, wonderful job. MLB tonight, of course. We'll get to that in a little bit. All right, that's the third thing. Do you think there will be a little bit of a... Not opening day, but I know you're a big WBC believer and a lot of players loved it. Do you think if you were a player and you played deep into the WBC after the euphoria of opening day, would you feel a little worn out and a little flat on a 
cold night in Oakland in the middle of April after you've played baseball hard already for about a month in front of 5,000 people. Is that something that some of those players have to be have to be aware of? Is that a little bit of a concern for players, uh, for teams that had players who went deep in that tournament? What's your take with that? It's already happening. I mean, that's that's like coming back from an All Star game. That day, the next game after the All Star game is like ah, you know. So I think guys are already going through that. You know, I got to fly back to Tempe now. If you're Shohei Otani or Trout, and you have this high energy and now it's like okay now you're going to spring training um and then the season starts look that is such high level energy that you can't match that throughout a major league season until you get to the playoffs so yeah they're gonna to have to adjust to it they'll figure it out they'll, they'll know what it is you'll settle into understanding it the beauty for most guys in the wbc that went deep they're veteran players a lot of the young guys was like, this is the first time I've ever been in, kind of, in front of this kind of energy of a crowd. They might struggle a little bit more. But for Mike Trout or somebody like that or Trey Turner, he homered the other day in the Philly game and Trout homered as well. You know, they've been through a long haul of a major league season, so you understand there's going to be weekends where we're going to New York. This is going to be a crazy weekend and have fun. Then there's going to be other days you're playing in Oakland. And there's 5,000 people there. So you understand there's peaks and valleys in the season. I think as a veteran, that is the advantage you get. All right. And that's number three. All right. Number four, a lot of injuries. And I'm not going to bring up the WBC. You just got a lot of guys hurt. Lux is hurt out for the year. Obviously, Diaz. Quintana's out. Hoskins the other day. Altuve. You got a lot of injuries. I, for whatever the reason, maybe a little WBC, unlucky, a lot of injuries to start the year, Howard, and not just injuries for like a couple of weeks. I mean injuries, guys gone for the year. I've never seen anything like it. What's your take with that? I'm with you. I've never seen anything like it either. Um, but this generation is a little bit different. They, they play and practice all year round, and I think that's part of the injuries. Uh, some of the ones you mentioned are, are somewhat freak injuries, but I do think we have to do a little deeper dive into, like, you look at Lux's injury where it's, it's non-contact. Was he working too hard, too much, and not resting? You know, those are the things that, that concern me. A lot of arm injuries, guys throwing, overthrowing. We've turned the sport into a year-round workout, and it should not be that. You have to rest your body. And I don't think there's a doctor out there that doesn't agree with me on that. You have to take time away. And I hope for kids that's why i encourage my kids they're, they play different sports all year round you can't exercise the same muscles every day and think there's not going to be any injuries so i think major league baseball we have to get to a point where we go hold it time out take a break you got to back off in the off season our guys go from the, their season ends after 162 games it's october they take about a week and they're back working out again that's not enough time to rest your body Interesting. All right. So that's a problem. All right. Now, this is a problem for me. And, you know, this goes back to the competitive balance issue. And I like to hear your comments on it. I understand you're a former player, so you will feel a little differently than me as a fan, a little old fan here who, you know, has been following for a long time. You played. But if you look at the National League right now, Harold, you're going to have a tough time telling me that anybody but the Phillies, Atlanta, the Mets, 
the Dodgers, San Diego. You want to tell me Milwaukee? For my purposes, I'll just say the Cardinals. You're going to tell me, I'm going to have a tough time believing that anybody else is going to crack that six in the National League for the postseason. And those are the same six from last year. In the You're a big sports fan. In the NFL this year, they had 14 playoff teams. Six new ones. NFC, Giants, Minnesota, Seattle. All didn't make the playoffs in 21, made the playoffs in 22. The National League doesn't have that in baseball. I find that troublesome. Let me hear your take with that. Well, every year you end up having a new champion in our sport. Nobody's repeating in baseball. You may have these same six guys you talk about that are the behemoths, so to speak. And, and yeah, I, you would like to see the Nationals. They're, they're in a cycle right now, but the Nationals are in that conversation. The Cubs were. The sport's cyclical, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. There's no doubt about it. You go with your ups and downs, your ebbs and flows. But last year, you look at the Mariners made the playoffs for the first time in 21 years. You know, they're coming around. So that's what I look at. But I look at the the end result in every sport, and particularly in baseball, we don't have repeat champions. It's been a long time. It's been 20, 25 years. The other sports can't, can't say that. And I think that's the one thing that we do have. Would I like to see other clubs be a little more competitive on longer range? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody would say that. But I can't say that, that there's not a shot for everybody uh, early on. There's obviously some teams that are clearly not in that competitive cycle right now. But I think everybody's kind of had their runs over the last 20 years. Yeah, I, I, that's fair. I mean, you know, the Reds and Pirates haven't. Oakland kind of hasn't recently. But I, I understand what you're saying. All right, give me a... Yeah, I mean, give even me a, your Giants had their run. You yeah, know? they did. They yeah, they won the three championships. The yeah, they're there. All right, give me a team in each league that is not, you know, on everybody's tip of their tongue, but you think could be surprised and be pretty damn good. Give me one in each league. Uh, I got the Baltimore Orioles for one. Um, they have a lot of young talent, man. And I think they could surprise some people. And the one thing they have that the front offices that they would compete against is currency. They got a lot of minor league guys they could trade to go get something that if they needed it. So I like the Orioles. They're going to be in a tough run. Um, I think the Blue Jays are the class of that division right now. The Yankees, with all their injuries, they're going to be in the hole starting the season. I don't know how they're going to dig out of it because there's a few teams that are going to be pretty good in that division. Tampa and, and, and the Blue Jays are going to give them a run. And the Orioles, who I just mentioned. So I got the Orioles as a surprise team. They won't win it, but they'll be very competitive. And then Nationally. The yeah, nationally, believe it or not, Arizona's really surprising me. They, they, they pitched the ball great last year, and now they've got some talent coming on. I think they're, they've made that turn up. And I don't think the Dodgers for this season are sitting there locked and loaded like they were the last four or five years. I think they, they can be challenged because I think the Padres are the class of the division right now. 
I think so too, but I'm a little worried sometimes on trendy teams. And San Diego is one of those trendy teams. You know, they last year NLCS spent a fortune on players, bought a, everybody buying season tickets. Machado resigns. Here comes Tatis. Soto's happy. You mentioned his at bat there the other day. Yeah, we all know about Bogarts. Sometimes trendy teams there, Harold, who start the year with bullseyes on their back can get themselves in a little trouble. What's your take on that theory? Let me hear. I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you, hundred percent. It seems like it, it's like that game where we say this team's going to blow everybody out, and then they then they scuffle. Um, and I can see that happening with the Padres. The Padres do have an interesting scenario going with Juan Soto because he's going to have right now. If the season starts today or this week, Thursday. He, they would have two years of control over him. By the trade deadline, it's a, a year and a half before he becomes a free agent. So I think if the Padres are not in it and they don't see a window to win the World Series, that they could actually flip Juan Soto for what they gave up to get him last year. And that's, that's an interesting take on that team, how they will affect the summer, I think, with the Padres. They are going to be interesting to watch. Now, that's an excellent point. I can definitely see them doing that. You think there's any chance? Most people think Dodgers, Mets. I think L.A. But is there any chance the Angels, Trout, and Marino can convince Otani to sign long term? Um, my 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 mind's eye says he's not coming back to Anaheim. I just think that there's going to be such a a race for him. And I don't know. I don't know, Tony, from a marketing standpoint or what he's hungering for or would like to see. But I saw him go to a whole nother level uh, as a competitor last year and then just recently in the WBC. Uh, I just think he's at, he's at such a different level. And he has, after reading what he wrote out in high school, what he wanted to accomplish. Uh, you need to find that whole list of what he did. It's incredible. He wrote out all his life goals. And I don't know if his life goals are where he's at right now. I think he's got bigger dreams. And, and I, I don't know. I think he's going to be gone out of Anaheim. Yeah, favorite. I agree with you. All right, last thing, Howard and Howard, of course, doing a, Howard Reynolds doing a great job here. All right, it seems like you're a little worried about two perennials, Dodgers and Yankees. Explain both. Go ahead. Well, I am a little worried about both of them. The Yankees I'll start with first. I'll end with the Dodgers. The Yankees is pretty easy for me. I thought they won the winter when they signed Rodon. That le- the, 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 they needed that next pitcher. But when news came out that he was injured and he's starting the season on the IL, for a guy that's had injury problems throughout most of his career, that worries me. Then um, then Serino goes down. Savino goes down. Severino goes down. I can't even get his name right. We've got all these producers' names I'm throwing out there. But Severino goes down. I worry about that. It's just the health of the Yankees. I love their lineup. I think they're going to be very competitive. Volpe's going to be really fun to watch. I just... They got to have some healthy pitchers come through. 
and I don't know if they 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 have the depth to take on what they're going to need to have, and that's you got to get past Houston. Houston's got a bunch of young stud pitchers that endure through the 162 and into the playoffs. That's my concern with them. The Dodgers, real quick, I, I'm a little concerned about shortstop. You lose Gavin Lux, who you wanted to have there. They've had Seager and Trey Turner carry a most a lot of their offense at the shortstop position. That's gone. So where are they going to get that production? And then uh, the pitching depth is just not there like it was a few years ago. And Walker Buehler being out does not help him at all. 100%. 100%. Howard, you're going to move to 6 o'clock now on the MLB tonight? I know your schedule changes. Let me hear about that. Go ahead, quickly. I- I'm excited about it. The 6 p.m. show, 6 to 7, sometimes 6 to 8. Uh, it's just going to get us – we're a pregame show, getting people ready for games. And the access is going to be phenomenal. I'm starting the year off this year. I went to Tampa and got in a cage with Aaron Judge, talked about his hitting, what he does, his routines, all that. So I want to get people ready for games. And how you do that is you get them ready on the field. Ballpark camera, talking to players, talking to coaches, but not just talking. I want to see them work. How do you catch ground balls? How do you hit? How do you set hitters up? Those are the things that we're going to do on the 6 o'clock that I'm really excited about. Excellent job here, Howard. I really enjoyed it. Keep up the good work. You're one of the good soldiers. Appreciate a few minutes. Knock them dead. See you opening day. I'll see, I'll see you soon, my friend. Appreciate you. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Mad Dog's Daily Bite is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.